0: One early morning it was six I heard a bang and I thought What's in this then? A fireman called me and said Get up, oh it's a sunny day
1: Christmas is just two weeks away. Can you believe that? It is flying by. And as you're making final preparations, we're continuing to really consider the story of Jesus and him coming to earth and what that means for us. Today, we'll address his birth and how that story can inspire you to go out and make a difference in your community. I'm John Fuller, and welcome back to Focus on the Family's Christmas Stories podcast. I'm joined in the studio once more by uh, Lisa, Paul, and Diane, and we'll get spiritual in a moment, but first, how's the shopping going, Lisa? You, I know you love Black Friday shopping. You've already <laughs> um, indicated that earlier, so Christmas shopping, how's it, how's it going? I hate
2: it, and all I do is stress out because I have gifts that I have to mail elsewhere, so that just drives me bonkers because of the cost of postage. And mailing packages, and then I'm like, well, then I like to do all my online shopping. I ideally, I don't mind being around the hustle and bustle of shopping as long as I don't have to find things. The pressure yeah. of having to find things completely freaks me out and makes me mad. But
1: it's nice to be out there in the environs with yeah. Christmas music and happy people and
2: looking down on other people. Who okay, so Diane, their bring shopping. some
1: redemption. <laughs> bring some redemption, or I'll have to excise the question. <laughs>
3: You know, I start thinking about next Christmas right after Christmas, Uh. and as my grandkids are now in their teens, it's harder. Giving gifts is a hard thing to do, so we do like to plan on having them buy presents for somebody else, like through Angel Tree or through uh, one of the foster care situations, Um, and that part of their Christmas money has to go towards buying something for someone else. So we will make uh, time together to go shopping. We'll take the girls one time. We'll take the boys the other time. So Christmas shopping can be tricky as they get older. Does
1: that cash gift get bigger since we have inflation going on? Yes, it does.
3: How good of you. (laughs) That's why I'm here working. How
1: about you, Paul? Yeah,
4: I enjoy taking the boys uh, to get the gifts for uh, Julie. And that's always a fun kind of a tradition. They use their own money and, you know, it becomes a... A challenge to see how far they can stretch it yeah but uh, uh, as what, long
1: what can you do with a buck or a buck and a quarter I know, well, most, better than that
4: they've been selling cotton candy and uh, raking leaves oh, to, wow. they made all their money to do that but yeah. but since lisa is the andy rooney of the of them <laughs> oh, <I, laughs> you, yes. you know what really frustrates me is trying to shop on amazon when you have a, a joint account
5: mm-hmm. because every
4: time i order something my wife gets an email about it mm-hmm. so i have to tell her don't look at the emails and then Anyway,
1: Amazon needs to get there. I can the be their friend. Figure out
3: a way. I was going to say, I'll we, help we you know out people. on that. Yeah,
1: We're on your side, Paul. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> And I've just decided not to stress too much. I like actually uh, dates with my wife when we hmm. go to old Colorado City here in town or Manitou. And just we, we shop some of the old shops. and Just we make a date out of it and kind of a low pressure date. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear now from Megan Linzer about the greatest gift the world has ever received as she reads part of Luke chapter two.
6: Hi, my name is Megan Linzer, and I will be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David,
1: there's always something really uh, wonderful and profound and beautiful about getting to the heart of the Christmas message. And Lisa, I'm wondering uh, what in that story impacts you personally and why?
2: Yeah. Well, it's very hard to read this passage and not just think of the roteness of it in the sense of every pageant, you know, uses this passage, every Christmas program, every reading at church and stuff. But I think for me reading it this year, it's like, the spectacle of it, the spectacle of it, and the fact that also that little piece in there that they were actually back in Bethlehem. And so this was a fulfilled prophecy. prophecy yeah. And in the midst of all the angels and shepherds and crazy, and I'm I'm hoping we get get a bonafide replay of this entire scene when we get to heaven because I wish I would have been part of it, and so maybe God will give us a little peek. It into was the kind past. of a god
1: sized yeah. spectacle, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Paul, how about you?
4: Yeah. Well, no, spectacle is a good term because I I I've, I'm struck by the you know the fear that overcame the shepherds when they saw the angel, and I you know I never I always thought of you know angels as like life sized people. And um, you know that Eric Metaxas has a book on miracles, where he talks about a friend of his who said an angel appeared in his church in a cathedral, and the, and the angel was fifty feet tall. Hmm. And I've just I, I can't get that out of my head. Thinking it never occurred to me that angels could be that big, but why not, right? And, and so it's just I, I've now envisioned instead of a, a life size person hovering above uh, the crash or out in the field, I'm I'm literally thinking of wow, it, wow, it would have been frightening, wouldn't it? I mean, it yeah. just it just strikes me so. Hmm.
3: Well, I thought of the shepherds, too, that they're just sitting out, you know, under the stars, relaxing, and out of the darkness came a bright light. And I think that just totally shows Christ that out of the darkness, the light shone. And I just think shepherds, they were just ordinary people doing their thing. And then suddenly, why them? Why did God choose shepherds? to show himself to and say, hey, go. I also learned something new about the swaddling clothes, that that's exactly what a shepherd wraps the sheep in, the little ones when they're born, and then put it in a manger. So he totally said, go find this. And that would be Mm. weird, a baby with swaddling clothes in a manger, put my sheep in there. I just thought that whole thing was amazing, that they listened, that they investigated, that they went and they saw and I think that's what we need to do. We need mm-hmm. to listen, investigate, go, and then also share. They were the first ones that's, you know, he said, go, go share this message. Mm-hmm. And they, they did.
1: Yeah, good tidings of great joy for all people. And uh, let's go ahead. That That segues perfectly, Diane, into what we want to do next, and that is, Uh, Hear from our friend Jody Burnt describing how Jesus changes lives, and we're going to hear from Jody, and then Dr. Mike Bechtel, and then Deborah Folada.
7: I think the way that the Christmas story inspires me—I mean, there are so many things we can we can pull at with that—but I think for me, a, a big one, and it might sound so obvious, but it's that during the Christmas season, I feel like the world is a little more open to the gospel than at other times during the year. Even if you're, you know, in a TJ Maxx, there are Christmas carols maybe playing throughout the store in other malls and restaurants. And they tell that message. They tell the message, glory to the newborn king and joy to the world. So even people who might not be consciously pursuing Christ during the Christmas season, he's pursuing them, he's pursuing all of us, and his word is getting in there, his message is getting in there. Christmas cards, I love Christmas cards. You know, every year I say, gosh, we're not doing that again this year, and yet when they begin to arrive in the mailbox, and I see um, the greetings, the scriptures, the messages of peace and joy, that is such a reminder um, that we serve a Savior. And so, every year, even after resolving, I'm not going to go through that again. I think the first one or two trickle in and I say, oh gosh, I want to jump in and, and and proclaim that good news myself as we send our cards to friends and neighbors and co-workers and that kind of thing. I just think the biggest inspiration that the Christmas season has for me is that it's a season of real receptivity. And I think that we as believers need to be alert to the opportunities that God gives us for sharing his love just through the story that's right there, easy to talk about more than any other time of the year.
8: I think the biggest thing that stands out about the Christmas story that has always stayed with me is the sense of wonder. And I remember as a kid, the Christmas season was different than everything else in the year. So by itself, the Christmas story was good, but because it's been packaged with the sights and the sounds and the music and the food and the lights and Other stuff that really only happens together in that one season, the emotion that goes with it, the stuff in my senses, locks the truth of it in. And it just brings about that, that sense of wonder. And I think today, it's really easy to get caught up in the irritation of all the commercialism and how far we've gotten from the wonder that we used to have. But that irritation robs us of that sense of wonder. I think no matter how bad the world might feel and no matter how tough the personal situations are that you know we're going through, it doesn't change the reality of that wonder. So I've learned that in the midst of everything going on, I need to be intentional in looking for it because that's what it's all about. I walked into Home Depot the first week of October and they had put up all their Christmas trees and decorations. And when I saw them all lit up, I wasn't expecting it, and it actually took my breath away. It brought back the wonder. And to me, that's been the biggest lesson, is to be careful not to lose the wonder.
9: When I think about Jesus coming down, and just being so vulnerable, and and the light that he brought into the darkness, the hope and healing that he brought, the chains that he broke. It inspires me in how I live my life as a, as a counselor and in my ministry and practice as a counselor, the idea of helping people heal and shining a light in the dark places and helping people to find freedom from their pain because of Jesus. It inspires me every day and, and, and really frames the way that I look at life every morning. Like it, If Jesus came down to give us these gifts, this light that he shined in the darkness is something that we don't just focus on on Christmas, but something that we get to focus on and invest in every single day in how we live our life, in the light that we're shining and helping him to shine in some of the darkest places as well. And yeah, I think of a young woman who uh, was really struggling to feel like she belonged. Um, she had an adoption history and you know, growing up just had this deep feeling that she wasn't wanted. And and now as an adult, she found herself r- ruminating on some of those lies that nobody wanted her, that there wasn't a place for her, that she didn't belong. And, you know, shining a light in her situation meant identifying some of the lies that she was believing, lies that were rooted in her trauma rather than rooted in the truth of the gospel and helping her begin to identify some of those lies that were impacting her and and replace them with the truth that she did belong, that there was a place for her in the kingdom of heaven, that there is a purpose for her life, that God has chosen her. And, and I think every day we're given the choice of whether we default to the lies of our trauma or whether we replace them with the truth of Jesus, and and that's just an example of uh, one way that we can shine a light in dark places.
1: Christmas is such a beautiful time of year to reflect on the ways that God has been so good to us, and it's also a wonderful season where people just seem to love to practice generosity. And so we're going to hear from Kay Wyma and then Josh Straub as they share some fun ways that they've learned to... Uh, help teach and then model for their families how to be generous.
10: We started fighting for that when the kids were little. And um, we, we we would make December a month where you practice kindness. And the best kind of kindness is the altruistic kind where nobody's giving you anything in return. And um, it's so nice that that's exactly what the gift that Jesus gave us is this amazing gift that um, we really don't have anything to offer for for that and and so we through the seasons and through the years we really do try a fun a fun activity that's practical Um, we try to think of a family that has gone through some hardship and it could be you know an illness it could be financial hardship which, gosh, this year, I'm guessing there's lots of people, if not even the people in your close proximity, even your family, um, to be able, that are, that are living through certain hardships. And we would um, think through each person in the family, buy them a little something, and um, kind of have an overall family gift. It never, you know, through the years, we could spend money or we couldn't spend money. It was more about thinking about the people specifically. And then we would drive up as a family and go drop it off on their front porch without them knowing it and ring the doorbell and run away and, um, never speak of it, you know, never say anything about it and, um, just let it bless, which, uh, is what it does. And friend of mine, Ruth Meek, you know, shared, shared about doing that years ago. And I just love the idea. And it's Gosh, it's it's really a neat way to um, promote within your own family giving just giving and kindness without anything in return and meeting people where they are and and I, I think the key is not speaking of it um, which is a strange strange and uh, but yet it's so powerful and I've noticed that because you can do that at any point in, on, on any day because that's the beauty of the Christmas gift is that it is an everyday affair, and sometimes the Lord puts someone on your heart, and to be able to go put something on their front porch if they're local, or maybe even something in the mail and not hit a return address on it, There's, it's um, it's so rich, and being able to just let that go, and let that be a prompting uh, from the Lord that you acted upon um I, it just, there's something that makes it special. And I do think that there are things about practicing kindness that are just critically important that actually feed our physiological um, bodies as much as it does our soul. And to be able to do those things and have the excuse of the holidays it's really fun. To continue it through the year is even more special.
11: You know, I remember one time we were recently driving to we were driving somewhere, and our kids had their, had their Christmas money with them, and they, they had their own money, and we had, we, were, um, we had pulled up to a stoplight, and there was a homeless person on the side of the road, and I remember our kids saying, Dad, can we give our money to that person? and we we kind of you know did like a we turned around we were kind of like you understand what that means like you're giving your money to some like you know that's your money like that's your christmas money and they're like i know but we really think he needs it and so um the man came over to the car and actually pulled the car off to the side of the road because the light had turned green and so we pulled pulled the car off the side of the road and the man came over and um you know as a dad you're a little bit nervous like what's this interaction going to be like and and um and and they gave their money to this man and he I mean, you just saw the gratitude of this man of children giving him money as opposed to other adults giving him money. And it was one of those just really neat moments where you see your kids doing something out of their own heart that you as a parent kinda of wanna go, No, 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 no but then you're like, Wait a minute, this is what we're teaching you to do and so it was just one of that was that's a beautiful moment that sticks into my mind
1: well i so appreciate that story from josh uh, about his kids and the way they saved up and then really uh, sought out how god might lead them to to be generous Um, i'm going to note that um, josh and his wife christy have authored a book together it's called 25 days of the christmas story an advent family experience we've noted it here before and It's uh, a terrific resource to use every year with your family, maybe your grandkids, if you've got some. Uh, We're making that available for a gift of any amount to the ministry today, and we'll link over to that in the show notes. And we're going to continue on now, hearing how people have learned some life lessons from the Christmas account. Uh, We're going to begin with our colleague, Adam Holtz.
12: Jesus came into a place that was filthy a place that was fallen, a place that didn't recognize him and wasn't interested in him. And he obviously chose to serve. You know, the scripture says he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, And so I think the story of Christ's generosity is one that on my good days um, works in my heart. You know, and it and it helps me uh, and it motivates me and it prods me to take my eyes off myself and getting my own needs met on my terms to to meet the needs of those, you know, kind of in concentric circles. It starts with your family. Uh, it, you know, radiates out to the, the work that I have been involved with at our local church over the years. And then what I do here at Focus on the Family. And, and I say my good days because some days you just lose track of it. You know, some days the crush of responsibilities or tiredness or just the weight of life, we can lose track of it. And so I think that annual moment to set our eyes on that story again uh, is a terrific reset. Uh, And obviously, every day, Lamentations says, Lamentations 3 says, is an opportunity to experience God's mercies in a new way. Uh, And so I think. the challenge and the invitation of the Christian life is to receive that every day in a fresh way. And on the days that I really choose to to embrace what God has given me as a gift, uh, it's transformative. And on some of those other days, I may be a bit numb, but I'm thankful that it's not about my performance.
0: I think something that always stands out to me that might my- seem a little basic, but the topic of love just always is what speaks to me when I think of the Christmas story. And I think the reasoning for that is because you think of Jesus being born and everyone always, I don't have children, but everyone always tells me that when you have a child, that's the greatest type of love you can ever feel. And thinking that God loved us or loves us so much that he sent his son to be on earth with us and die for our sins. You know, I can't think of a greater love than that. I can't even fathom how much he must love us to do that. It can be emotional when you think about just the Christmas story itself, um, but it does need to inform everyday life. And I think something that I've noticed a lot in Christian culture, but also just in regular culture, is that Christmas and um, Thanksgiving, too, can often be times where people want to give the most, right? And they're like, I want to go work at a soup kitchen, or I want to give food, or I want to donate clothes, and that kind of thing. And um, I think that's great, that Christmas time is some something where we always want to give. But if that doesn't inform the rest of your year, that's such a small portion of life of the Christmas season, right? Um, And Jesus didn't come just so that we could give donations to Goodwill just during Christmas time. (laughs) Um, He came to save a lost and dying world, um, and that lost and dying world exists outside of the month of December. So I think you should be giving of your time and of your faith throughout the entire year Um, and I think that's something that I try to do because I started to notice this trend of oh we give a lot during Christmas but what about the rest of the year and I think that's something important to keep in mind that it shouldn't just be something where we give of our time and we share of our faith during the month of December because that's the month of Jesus that's when he was born it should be an entire year thing Um, because if our faith doesn't leave just his birth month then what's the point?
13: You know as I grow up and I'm still growing up I think it's really realizing just how amazing that story of God's love is that here's here's this baby that should have been worshipped in the temple the temple was a few miles from Bethlehem Um, and yet God decided it's okay if he's born in a barn and the first people that see him are shepherds and it's a mess because that's where God reached in to us. And I think that light in the darkness, like the Bible talks about the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. That's encouraged me to be a little more bold, a little more uh, intentional in my faith. Like how am I reflecting God's light? How am I reflecting God's love to people around me and realizing uh, I'll never be God. <laughs> that's okay because I can I can let him shine through me so that's where the Christmas story has really affected me
14: I was looking through some of the typical passages Luke of course and then John 1 and Matthew 1 and 1 Thing that I noticed throughout all of them is just the joy that comes along with the announcement of Christ's birth, um, and the humility that it brings to people. And so I think that's a really great reminder that, um, as I think about the gospel and as I think about Christmas and how God became man, He dwelt among us. That that is supposed to stir in me a great joy and a great peace and a great humility, and um, in. Galatians four. This was one of my college pastor's favorite Christmas passages, which I always thought was funny because it is in Galatians. Um, but it says, "Got a flip there." Um, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And through the Christmas story and through the gospel and Easter, this is the story and the narrative that we can share with the whole world. He he came as man, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again so that many could become sons and become free. And so that just gets me excited. I mean, the gospel is our hope, and it's our joy, and the Christmas story is a huge part of it.
9: I
15: love Christmas time um, for so many reasons, but one of the reasons is because it's such a natural bridge for the gospel. Um, when people ask, you know, why do we celebrate Christmas? And I live in the deep south, South Carolina, so most people around me know why we celebrate Christmas. But in my experiences living abroad in Asia, it was a great opportunity to have an English corner where we could have a topic, um, which will be easily holidays um, and Therefore, easily we can talk about Christmas. And interestingly enough, Christmas is celebrated almost all over the world, but the secular form of it, the Santa Claus, the elves, the stockings, the candy canes, well, maybe not candy canes, but um, so many of those elements from the West have actually gone across the world. And so they ask, you know, uh, why do we celebrate Christmas, you know? And it was a great opportunity to share the hope um, again, Emmanuel, God with us. And it was so beautiful. It really changed the way I saw Christmas to see it through the eyes of someone who didn't know the full meaning of Christmas previously, and to be able to share the story for someone who says, "Wait, who was there? The shepherds? Wait." wait, why was this happening? And it's so easy to go on autopilot and think, yeah, we know the characters, we know the story. But when you tell it to someone and they ask these sort of questions, you begin to see with fascination, wow, this really is a remarkable story. This is a life-changing story. And Christmas is really just the beginning of it all. So it's a great um, bridge of great... Gateway to have these really meaningful conversations with the international community.
5: I think that, again, when we think about just in terms of the Christmas story, that idea of light, um, the idea of giving. I think both of those sort of go hand in hand. You have, um, you know, Christmas is obviously a time where we all give each other. We give our, we give our family presents. We give our kids presents. We, uh, we enjoy these gift-giving opportunities. I mean, it's a lot of fun, actually, to, to, to shop around. I have a grandson now, and, and so we're looking around for, for toys for him. Um, but it's also a reminder that, that, again, we live in a really dark time, Right and there are so many people who can use who need uh, who need some help who need um, a little bit of light in that world as as corny and as weird as that sounds I think that it really is true and, and, and it reminds me um, of what we're supposed to be doing as Christians you know the idea of giving it's not just to give to, to the people who are closest to us it's to give to the people around us who really need that help and it can be you know, obviously money is helpful, but man, the time that we spend, the the abilities that we can lend to a good cause, I think that's, that's in a way a lot more valuable. I need to be doing more of that, to be honest.
1: I think it's safe to say we can always be on the lookout for ways to make a difference in somebody's life. And uh, as we wrap up this episode, I wonder how Jesus inspires you to be a difference maker, a, a person who who contributes to other people.
3: People are hurting so badly this year. I think more than ever. Just trying, mm. they're still reeling from what's happened over the last couple of years. And I truly believe that you can make a friend within two minutes. And sometimes it's just a passing smile. And just letting somebody know that I'm here, I want to encourage you. I want to be a constant in your life for those who do swirl around in my sphere. But having, you know, worked in the Welcome Center all these years, we have found that just a simple encounter can change the way that somebody feels about their day. And I think that's just showing Christ's love to everyone uh, who is crossing your path for even a moment.
4: Yeah, I've I've made a concerted effort in the last year for sure that when I write things to try and acknowledge people for what they've done for who they are. You know, there's so much bad news out there, and uh, you know, with the even within here at Focus, we cover a lot of it. And so I, I've just tried to go out of my way to feature people who are doing good things. You know, if it's the Philippians 4, eight philosophy. Whatever is good and noble and true, lift that up. So that's what I've been doing.
1: That's good.
2: I've been really struck by how, um, and this was said to me not too long ago, about how of all the times in history Jesus could have been born, he was born when he was born not now for example when he could have amassed a huge twitter following and gotten his message out through a number of digital means but instead he came to earth grew up and then did a three-year ministry of basically walking around and talking to people Mm -hmm. and um, I, I think in an age where we are so concerned about platforms and influence and who's on board with us and who likes us and who's a fan and a follower. I just think that's really great, and it has inspired me to create margin in my life, to look people in the eye and be in their life and spend time with them and invite them in to things that I'm doing. And it's a very slow pace, and it's a very uncelebrated pace in our culture, but it's something that I feel like God has called me to do.
1: Hmm, I appreciate that. And even just going back to the passages uh, in the early opening uh, chapters of Luke, I'm thinking about the people that did what you're talking about, all three of you. Um, they took time. They they provided a place because there was no room at the inn. Uh, they took time out of their uh, busy days as shepherds. I guess they were busy. But they, they left the flocks, presumably, to go to see what they could see. And then they spent some time there with that young couple and that baby. So there is opportunity for us to, to practice uh, the light of jesus to demonstrate his his love and uh, i pray that as you go throughout this uh, busy season as it kind of escalates in the next week or two that you'll find time to really reflect on uh, what we've been talking about today the, the original christmas story now don't forget about the book by josh and christy straub 25 days of the christmas story and advent family experience which is available to you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of focus on the family we I have a link for that in the show notes. And it's not too late to sign up for our free weekly Advent devotionals. There's a weekly theme. Uh, This week it's faith, and you're going to find all of that content online, and the details are in the show notes as well. And we will conclude Season 6 of this podcast uh, next time as we think and hear more about Jesus' birth. For now, on behalf of Diane Angolia, Paul Batura, and Lisa Anderson, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Christmas Stories podcast.
13: Jesus
5: Lord